This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to our live stream. It's a fandom thing. Uh, We are talking about something that Erin knows nothing about (laughs) or knows very little about. I did some research, so I know a little bit, but it's not my realm. It's not my fandom, so I will be the moderator tonight. But we are going to be talking about the show Avatar, The Last Airbender. And as you can see, I have Susie quote unquote my cabbages I do I do get that because I watched the honest trailer because <laughs> Jen my it. podcast brain twin <laughs> said I had to watch that and one episode for sure but I, I kind of went around and watched little clips and stuff so I do sort of get that <laughs> and then Tanya Flam- say that for me <laughs> Flamio hot man Flamio okay Thank Hot you. Man. Hot man, flame you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So uh, before I have everybody, well, they've kind of already introduced themselves, but before they introduce themselves, of course, we are on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and help us do live streams, help us do the show, help Erin figure out her green screen, <laughs> click the link in the show notes or head on over to any of our social media and click our link tree there and help us for as little as $3 a month. You'll get bonus content. I've mentioned before that we're probably going to edit it a little bit to include different kind of things. So that'll be a lot of fun. And next year, Susie is joining whether she wants to or not. We are revisiting every season of American Horror Story as special bonus episodes, except for all of, we're only going to do the first half of season 10 and then the second half doesn't exist. So we are going to do that, but that'll be fun. So Susie, you get to go first. It's oh my goodness, <laughs> this is y'all. A lot this of pressure. Is a miracle. <laughs> this is probably like the only time this will ever happen on this podcast ever, <laughs> unless it's just you and me on an episode. It's just you and me on one. Yeah. Too. Other than that, I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, I just. Oh, I don't know if I can shoulder the weight of these responsibilities. <laughs> Well, what are you into? Well, right now, other than kind of rewatching Avatar for this episode, I watched, like last week, I finished watching Dairy Girls, which is about um, a group of teenagers, mainly teenage girls, during, the, I think it's the Irish Revolution. 
during the 90s or 80s yeah but it's 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 a it's really funny and they're really entertaining and i definitely recommend like giving it a watch it's just two seasons right now so it's like really good like i think each one is like eight or six episodes so it's also like a really good like short kind of series to just watch if you ever have some downtime or anything yeah i think the other Aaron recommended that on one of our what we are into episodes or something like that, or it could have been, I don't know. At some point, I believe she did. So I know that one's been recommended before. And Tanya, what are you into? Hi, I'm into disco. <laughs> do, 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 do. Disco Inferno, but Star Trek disco. Um, so yeah, not, not actual disco. Um, yeah. yeah. Star Trek Discovery. I so this has been out for a few years, and I just started watching it a, a few like a few weeks ago, and I'm almost to the end of season one, and I I like it. I don't like every Star Trek series that comes out, but so far I like this one. It's it's okay. I feel like they're kind of finding their their thing, and then maybe next season will be a little more consistent, but. When I saw this was their shirt, like their workout shirt, I was like, yes, we will purchase <laughs> that. And that will be our shirt that we wear. Um, anyway, so disco for, for discovery, not for the terrible music from the 70s, the, the cocaine inspired <laughs> terrible music. No, terrible. it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and the bell bottoms were rocking. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I hear I like a good bell bottom. They're fun. Well, I hear bell bottoms are coming back. That's what I learned today. That bell bottoms are in now again. Is this true? I young Susie. <laughs> Just because I'm young doesn't mean I'm in with the youths. I don't know what's going on. So There's what no what I've seen happening. What I've seen a lot of are like mom jeans and you know, with like the rips and the high waist and then the big ass platform shoes like this that look like you're going to break your ankle. Um, but the mom jeans are are cool if you're like not a mom. If you're a mom with mom jeans, just look like you haven't changed your pants in 20 years. Well, that could be possible. And this is Erin. And what I'm into is a sp I love Spotify rap. I don't know why. I mean, I know it's cheesy, but I love it. And I love, you know, here looking at what I've listened to. I also shared stats on the podcast. So if you want to know the stats on the podcast, go to our Instagram or Twitter. But I love Spotify wrapped and I love being able to see what I listen to that I don't remember that I listened to or that I didn't even realize I was listening to as much as it says I was listening to. But if anyone wants to know what my top five artists were, it should come as no surprise, any of these. But Depeche Mode was number one. Number two was Lady Gaga. Number three was The The. Number four was Violent Femmes. And number five was George Michael. So, so none of that should really come as a surprise, especially number one. Because as I said on our 80s music episode, Depeche Mode is my heart, my soul, my everything. So that should not shock anybody. But that's what I'm into but let's get into Avatar. And once again, as a reminder, I am very, not Avatar, I should say Avatar The Last Airbender, because if I say Avatar, people are going to think we're talking about James Cameron's movie, and we're not going to talk about that ever on this podcast. Spoiler, never, ever will that be talked about. <laughs> ever, ever. 
Tanya agrees with me on that. That's good. So we're going to get into Avatar The Last Airbender. And like I said, this is something that I'm going to be mainly just moderating. And I'll just give a little bit of what this show is about. If you don't know what this show is about, like if you're like me and you're pretty new. And please jump in if there's anything that needs to be added. But this was a Nickelodeon show. Uh, ran for three seasons uh, from February 2005 to July 2008. Avatar is set in an Asiatic-inspired world in which certain people can telekinetically manipulate one of the four classical elements, water, earth, fire, or air, through practices known as bending. And it's inspired by Chinese martial arts. And I'm sure there's more to add to that, but that's kind of just a brief little description there. Was there anything I missed with that description, Susie or Tanya? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. Although, I, like, I always hear three seasons, mm -hmm. and it always comes as a shock to me, even though I've watched this show over and over. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just feels longer than three. <laughs> yeah. Well, and wasn't there, isn't there a movie or something, too? Oh, we don't or... talk about Oh, sorry. No, we don't, we don't, we don't. No, it's okay. I did read that. That was... That was even, I well, watched well, the Honest trailer, and even in the Honest trailer, yeah. it says, don't bring this up. So I apologize that I'm yeah. <laughs> No, no, we, sh we should, like, briefly address it. But you, you need to say water, earth, fire, right? Like that. You have to say it with the pause. And the anyway, no, you're oh, fine. Okay. You're good. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm messing with you. Right? I'm like, I'm messing up already. Uh, so I want to, no. there's a lot of stuff to cover here. My wonderful panelists and my panelists that sadly weren't able to join Carla and Judy. Thank you all four of you for helping me come up with the outline here. I really, really appreciate it. It helped me a lot. So there's a lot we're going to cover. And since it's just the two of you, we might be able to get to everything. Cause I was like, this is so long. I don't know if we're going to get to everything, but we'll start with the parallels between Asian history and the nations the quote-unquote nations so Susie do you have anything you want to talk about with that within the show when you go into the world of the last airbender I think we can also shorten it to that or just sometimes it's shortened to Atla which okay is Atla <laughs> mm -hmm. we can okay. go by that maybe to like short <laughs> thank you that's good to know yeah. that's good to know <laughs> but in the world of of Atla, it's it is interesting to see. Like the first time when I watched this, I didn't really take into account the parallels that it did have with Asian history. But upon rewatches and when I would go out and kind of like seek more information for my own and some stuff that I even didn't know beforehand, you do see like just the history of of conquering and colonization and something that I think is that the show does very interestingly is oftentimes in history when we hear about all these different conquests and colonization is that you most often hear about it from the point of the victor and you just kind of hear kind of like a third person very detached account mm -hmm. something that I think the show does really well is that in the adventures that the gang has they go to different towns and they meet different people and they get to know the experiences of each like for example they go to an earth like in one of the episodes they go to an earth village where they learn that every earthbender has been captured 
and put to work because they're not allowed to bend unless it is to the benefit of the Fire Nation. And the whole, and then the gang goes on a whole adventure to kind of uplift these people, uplift the people on the prison barge and tell them like, hey, you guys were given these powers and you can use them for good and you can use them for way beyond what they're telling you to use it for. They're, this is for you to take charge of and like no one can tell you what to do with it. And they uplift them and help free them and kind of help them kind of see and recognize that power inside. And we don't just see like our quote unquote made protagonist interact with different people from different walks of different life. Like Zuko, who for kind of a good half of the series is a third, two two thirds, two thirds, for a good kind of like portion of the series, he's. I would kind of consider him mostly like a, like a misguided antagonist. And there's a point where he gets separated from his uncle and he's just kind of like going off on his own and he's no longer like living under the title of Prince Zuko and he's just Zuko. And he runs into, he goes to a farm where he meets this this family and they kind of take him in and they don't know who he is yet. And he learns about them and he learns how like how the Fire Nation moving into their town and has affected their family and how it affected everyone in the town. And then he starts to learn more about how different the world is and what he thought it was. And he even grows to like care for these people and he has at a certain point he has to leave them, but he still he tries his best to do what he can in a way that he can I don't know if I'm verbalizing this right he doesn't go about things the right way but he has good intentions (laughs) (laughs) in trying to help this family and when he leaves the family that he's staying with one of the kids is like I know who you are and I need you to leave because I can't have you here like your people destroyed my town and destroyed my family and I don't want you here anymore and I know what you've done. And just before he leaves, he's like, yeah, I get it and I'm sorry. And he leaves them like his knife is like, you're the man of the house. You, This is for you to defend your family and yourself and your people. And he just like moves on on this journey and you get to see like different facets instead of just kind of like hearing the third person account, like you know what's going on behind the scenes with the conquerors and the conquerees, if that kind of makes any sense. You kind of learn more about each throughout the whole series. And I think that's something that the show does really well. And they do do a really great job of fleshing out the characters and really bringing you into the story and making you interested and in a different way, care for each one of them. Interesting. Yeah. And then Tanya, do you have anything to add on to that? So the, I, I came to this as an adult. I, uh, you know, am old and my kids were watching it. I knew it was good, but I didn't watch it myself until a couple of years ago, like fully all the way through. But I saw the parallels um, right away between the air nation is kind of like Tibetan monks little bit inspired by Tibet and India and kind of warrior monks. The 
northern and southern water tribes are inspired by the Inuit and some Native American peoples, as well as some other indigenous peoples around the world. The Earth Kingdom is a lot like China, some of Japan. Of course, that's a very diverse history. Then the Fire Nation, I think, most closely resembles Japan. And a lot of the, the setting for the, the show with the Fire Nation kind of invading is based on historical event called the Nanjing Massacre, which is a terrible genocidal invasion um, of Japan by of Japan to China. Like so, and there was a war like that kind of precipitated prior to World War II. So it's not a direct correlation, but it it definitely references that, I think. And what I love about the way they show this is a kid's show. We we gotta like kind of mention that. So we're not seeing like the full horrors of of war, but the fact that they can work that in and um, kind of reference that history and also add, as Susie was saying, these cultures are not a monolith. So because we're following Team Avatar or the gang, um, as they're referred to, I said it that way on purpose. Uh, there's an extra A. Okay. Um, as we're following them around and meeting people affected in the different nations, they are they do a good job of showing none of these are monoliths. So there are fire the Fire Nation people are also oppressed by their leadership, right? The Earth Kingdom is not perfect. They have issues, right? There's there's class divisions and other kinds of divisions. The um, northern and southern water tribes have various diasporas, if you will, and like um, are trying to, and they have their own kind of. There's like a gender commentary where the the northern tribe um, has gender imbalance uh, rather than the southern tribe. So it's. Yeah, it's just really wonderfully layered, I think, especially for something like a kid's show. And they can they can show the unity of culture, but also the diversity within cultures and between cultures while referencing history and being really funny and clever and telling kind of moral stories without beating you over the head with it. See, that's what was so interesting to me because someone who's so new to this, I, I know when it came out on Netflix, when they um, like... I don't remember how that wasn't that long ago, but when they re-released the show on Netflix, I know it found like a whole new following and a whole new fandom. And it became this thing that every single person I knew pretty much was talking about it. And I, I was like, Oh, then this must not be a kid's show. I honestly did not think it was a kid's show because of how many people were talking about it and the way they were talking about it. And then when I watched some, I went, Oh my gosh, this is such a kid's show. So that's what's so striking to me is, and I'm not saying like people, like adults don't watch kids cartoons. It just was striking to me that every single person I talked to would very rarely mention like watching it with their kids. I know you said that your kids watched it, Tanya, but so that is to me is, I know this isn't on the outline, but that's just so interesting to me that it appeals to so many adults, I think on a very, very the high level like Tanya shared and I retweeted it on our um, Twitter account some because you are at a convention right now and you tweeted out some cosplay some avatar cosplay with some adults dressed up in that so I don't know um, Susie do you know do you think there's a reason why this is like seems to appeal so much to adults well personally when I started watching the show I was also I was a lot younger I yeah. was in my teens so um but from what I can say is that there I think it's the relatability of the characters 
that has such an impact because some of us know a Katara, some of us know an Aang, some of us for sure know a Zuko or have been a Zuko, <laughs> or some of us know like a top. So it's just how I think part of its importance or relevance is I mean it's such a diverse cast of characters and like you could pretty much like throw a penny and like it's most likely guaranteed that you'll find a character that you can relate to and it's I think it also has to do with like the message of the show of how because like even even the Avatar team is is built up of people from different nations Mm-hmm. who all come together and that can kind of speak to almost kind of like a like a personal want of like of things that we do like finding like when we do when we go to conventions that we find people that we want to like get together with and experience things with and talk about things with I mean I know we're not going to mention it but I, I also know that we're not going to talk about it a lot, but I do want to give just a really brief shout out to The Legend of Korra, which is like the Avatar sequel series. Mm-hmm. And that also has a lot of rele- relevance for people because it also features um, a very important queer relationship between um, the female avatar and another another female, like a bi-relationship, queer relationship. And it's not... Like other fandoms where we've been sort of brainwashed to say, <laughs> to, to, to be told like, oh, no, it's not. They're just friends. <laughs> History would say they were roommates. Like, no. Special friends. Very. Yeah. We take a bath together, <laughs> just like you do with your friends. Yeah, it's not queer baiting is what you're saying. Like, they're not queer baiting. No, yet. absolutely. No, they don't. No, no, no I no, was being. No, yeah. Yeah. no, no I, I'm just no, saying no, that that's, what, that's, what, that's what you're saying, Cece, is they don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's because the show also has, like, a very positive message. Because also part of, like, it tickles the brain. It's, like, in a really good way. <laughs> is how I yeah. can probably, like, best surmise why it like it can also appeal to adults and the thing the thing also with children's media is that oftentimes children's media is talking down to kids mm-hmm. and avatar is one of the very few shows where they see their audience as an equal and where they're they're like we're going to put this out there for you to know and we know you're going to get it we don't have to hold your hand and call to you through it like we can put these complex we can present you with these like complex topics and these kind of not often talked about things and you can still understand it and go along with it and i think that's also part of it's a really big part of its appeal as well and do you agree with all that tanya definitely i think it's important to note too with the with the timing of this series so i said i i noticed my kids watching it i knew that they loved it and then i sat down and i think it maybe it came to some kind of streaming platform we had and rewatched it with one of my kids. And then that was my first time like intentionally watching it. But I think it does definitely appeal to the broad audiences for the reasons that Susie identified in the same way that Pixar films and some comic films or adaptations like that, or Harry Potter or even Lord of the Rings, you know, there's a lot of stereotyping of sci-fi and fantasy in general as being for children. And I think it's really impressive when a product like this can be a completely 
new, although referential world and appeal to both, both kids and adults. But again, back to the timing of when this came out, I'm guessing the folks that I shared a photo of and folks that are now adults maybe grew up with this show or watched it as young people. And so I think this is in the same way that Harry Potter is really important for millennial and Gen Z folks. I'm thinking this is millennial, younger millennial Gen Z sort of touchstone. Like for my generation, that would have been like Star Wars, He-Man, you know, not the intellectual equivalent, if you will, of this show. But um, in terms of the pop culture, He-Man yeah. was I mean, the I love <laughs> Equivalent. I, I love me some He-Man, but no, it was not the the brainiest. Um, although the new one's pretty interesting. Um, okay, yeah, I have to go back. And, okay, yeah, okay, we digress. So, um, yeah, it's I I love that I love that it's it's smart and it as you said, Susie, it doesn't talk down and it doesn't it it presents things. It it's not always nothing. Okay, how do I put this? It's comp it's complicated, not complicated, it's complex, it's layered. So nothing things are not always resolved. Like you you may not see overt death, but like really freaky things happen to characters, or there's consequences, and good characters do bad things, and, and bad characters do good things, you know, morally bad, morally good. Um, and there's only really a couple of truly evil or you know, truly morally corrupt. You know, so those shades of gray in a, in a media for kids, I think is really interesting. Like how, how is it that people end up, you know, being uh, influenced by their environment? And that's the, the Zuko character. You really see him. He needs to get out of the shadow of his father, his abusive father, you know, and be able to kind of have that experience to be able to become a, a a more redeemable character. We were supposed to get a fourth series of this, an animated fourth series, and it was going to be Azula's redemption arc. I don't know if you've heard that, Susie, but this is my, my main avatar expert in my house is my one of my kids. And so a lot of my trivia is from from that, but that's what he told me. Yeah, I did not know mm -hmm. that. I only knew about some of the like spin-off like comics that were done after the show had ended. Um, like continuations of certain stories, but I had not heard that the fourth season would be Azula's redemption. That's actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. So I know they give powers on the show, but only to a portion of the population on the show. Correct. So mm -hmm. uh, Susie, do you, um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you like that? Or what do you think that's trying to say? This giving powers to a certain portion of the population. I think it's interesting. I like, I, because you're just kind of presented this world and you're not really kind of in a way given a reason why because like one of the f two of the first characters you meet are from the same family and one of them has powers Katara she has water bending powers but her brother doesn't and when and as the gang as when she and her meeting and as their kind of friend group grows they have um they have they bring in Zuko, who's a who's a firebender. They bring in Toph, who's an earthbender, and Aang is an airbender. And in a way, Sokka is kind of like the odd man out. But it is interesting to see how he approaches situations differently to his bending buddies, because 
to them like if they come across a threat for them it's a lot it can be considered a lot easier to neutralize said threat because they can use their bending prowess whereas sorry like i completely blanked on his name Rosoka, he talk. Oh god. Oh, see, this is one of. I'm just gonna mention this really quick. This is one of the cursed things about the Shyamalan movie is that he me- forever messed up the pronunciation of certain of the characters' names in my head. Cause then I have to sort through like all these mental like images to make sure that I'm saying it right. And if I say if I, I'm just going to put this out there. If I say characters' name wrongs, I am so sorry. That is on me and M. Knight. Blame us both. <laughs> so blame blame M. Knight for everything. Yeah, that's not yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like M. Knight. Like, so. yeah, yeah, well, no. it's this this movie, M. Knight, the adaptation of this in particular was egregious. And the reason, for, you know, and, and I'll just, can I just bitch about that for a minute? Oh, sure. so, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the issue with it is took this beloved, you know, product and recast the characters with white actors. That's one of the very great, the, the amazing things about this show is there's really very few or no white you know, canonically white characters in it. There are lighter skinned and darker skinned characters, but there are not really Eurocentric sort of white folks, um, which is great. So why the hell would you cast this film uh, with, with white people and then change the pronunciation of the names, the main characters, right? Took all the humor out. It's, it's just, it's terrible. And, and fans were, so frustrated that they actually organized a um a pushback against it like against the whitewashing so in addition to it's just not a good movie but like there's like those level issues as well yeah no it also fell into the like very age-old like kind of trope where the lighter skinned characters were the protagonist and the whole of the fire nation most everyone was darker skinned as like that's such just so just so lazy like oh my god i can't no some nonsense nonsense but i just i do want to apologize that if i mispronounce the names of characters i am so sorry that's what they- uh, well i mean it's it's gonna i mean it i mispronounce things all the time on yeah. on here so Especially if some if it was once pronounced one way, and then it got changed, and then and then it gets changed. Why do they change it? Yeah, because it's M Night Shyamalan. I, mean, I didn't it see was, the movie, so no. It's it was just really unfortunate, and I think maybe that's why I didn't watch the ser- the animated series for a long time because I remember the kids watching the Avatar, the M Night Shyamalan one, and and kind of catching a few minutes of it, and like, oh, this is terrible but you know how kids just like terrible shit sometimes and you're like all right fine but you're behaving yourself go ahead and watch slug tara or you know whatever (laughs) which is okay i have children right you know and you're like or doc mcstuffins which i think is actually good i i don't know but you know we're teletubbies we're just like fine (laughs) do it you know let me get you know five minutes of something done or just you know peace and quiet so that might have been why and i had no idea that this was such a rich amazing uh show like 
<laughs> before that. And wow. Yeah. So, okay. And that's enough okay. of that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's a lot more talking about the movie than I thought. Yeah. Palette cleanser. I am curious though, as far as like, cause I looked at some of the cast for the voice actors and it seemed somewhat diverse, but I did notice some white actors in there. So I'm wondering, cause we talked about that on Bojack Horseman about, uh, you know, not about having a white actor voice the character of a person of color or, and so is that the case then in this one then too? Uh, yeah, I, for the most part, I think it is. And I don't, I don't make excuses for that. I think it is different. And we do need to recognize this was made in the early 2000s. By the time the film adaptation came out, though, really, we we did that standard and that accountability was different. And then for BoJack, when that came out, like that conversation has been happening. Like, and it is tough because there it is not perfect. Like there are some voice actors of color and um, some of the historically marginalized groups and things like that, but it's not a, a perfect um, representation. The, the one thing I think you could say in defense of that is that it is a fictional world. I'm not, I'm not making that claim, but it is a fictional world. So we don't, we don't necessarily, you know, it's not as though we are taking like a, the Diane Nguyen, right? Who is mm -hmm. Vietnamese American, who is canonically Vietnamese American and Bojack voiced by a white actress, right? Mm -hmm. I do think there is something to be said for that being a little bit different than a fictional character from a fictional group of people voiced by someone of a different perceived race. But I, I think that is a very kind of uncomfy area for me and frankly i think at this point we need to have diversity and we need to just you know not yeah. do even the questionable gray area but does that make sense like that distinction i'm i'm absolutely not trying to justify it or no i know it. i know like, yeah a little yeah. yeah yeah i was just curious just because you know looking at the cast i was just just curious about that so yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I want to talk about destiny versus free will, which is a theme in a lot of things I think we've talked about, or it's, it's also a theme in Supernatural. <laughs> that Maybe that's what I'm thinking. But how does that play a role in this, Susie? Yeah, it's it plays such a big role, especially when it comes to the Avatar. Because, like, throughout the whole series, ever since, like, Aang comes out of kind of, like, the iceberg as of because he was kind of in, in hibernation for almost like a hundred years <laughs> so when he kind of emerges from his ice cocoon <laughs> he comes to a world he he comes face to face with a world that has been taken over entirely by the fire nation people that he knows and loves have been like conquered and dead and gone and when he and okay so one of the special attributes of the avatar is that they can go into meditative state and in that meditative state they can talk to their past lives or past selves and when he when he goes to talk to some of his past selves they tell him oh so i had a big threat in in my day it was this person who was also who who wanted to be a conqueror or this person who was a warlord and i just killed them 
and I took care of the, I neutralized the threat. I just, I got rid of them. And part of Aang's thing is that since he grew up as he, I think he's an orphan that was raised by the air nomads and the air nomads, their whole, what their whole thing that they preach is, is peace and do no harm upon others because that's not, it's, it, it all, it's in very in touch with kind of like the Buddhist philosophy, like do no harm. And something that Aang struggles with throughout the entirety of the series is that everyone, everyone around him, all his past lives are all telling him, you need to get rid of the Fire Lord. And in a way, Aang interprets this as I got to kill him, but I don't want to kill him because that's, I, that doesn't sit right with me and with my beliefs that I was raised in and that I like uphold. I can't do that. And he, he keeps asking his different past selves and he even meets other spirits that he's able to contact and it all kind of comes other people and it all kind of comes down to the same thing. Like you got to kill him. And then it comes to a point where he kind of believes that's what his destiny is that like, okay, well I have to have to kill this man, even though I really don't want to, but I have to do it for the good of everyone in all these different nations. And then like, finally the climax of the series is that he, he finds a way to do it without killing him. He simply like kind of like mojos him and takes away the um, Fire Lord Ozai's firebending and he, and he like neutralizes him without ever, without, without having to kill him. Then, and then he's just kind of imprisoned. And that's kind of like one of the big things for, for Aang is like he believes it's his destiny but in the end and he also like throughout the series he also struggles like I really don't want to and then he 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 is able to find a way to still get rid of the threat and still like uphold his beliefs and that's one of like the biggest things and can kind of goes against like what everyone else has been telling him but he's like I stay true to myself and I'm still able to help everyone around me. And I think that that's something really good. And it also kind of, like on the flip side, Zuko, he kind of grows up, like for most of his like teenage years, thinking, I need to regain my honor by capturing the Avatar and handing him over to my father. And for for most of his journey, his uncle is there with him, and his uncle is one of the like most positive role models in his life, who just deserves all the nice things. <laughs> Tells him, like, hey, you don't you realize you've been exiled by your own father. So you don't really need to kind of pursue pursue this and keep doing this. You're free to do your own thing. You know that, right? And, and most of time, most of the time, Zuko is very dismissive of him, but his uncle is very like, I'm here for you and I love you. And I want you to know that there are other things that you can do. And he's, he does have that supportive network, but it come, but Zuko himself realizes that, okay, so I'm the one who can make the changes that I want to make and I can be in control of my own destiny. And he, along the way, finds the honor that he thought he needed to seek by 
captured the Avatar and said he became his friend and helped him on his on on Aang's own journey. And it's it's all just very like I said, it's very it's very well done. Yeah. Okay. So Tanya, do you have anything to add to that with the destiny versus free will? Or I think yeah, it's really interesting. It is a recurrent theme throughout. I love that Aang ends up solving the the problem that way like you mentioned i i really thought that was amazing ang is a vegetarian ang is peaceful you know and one of his to become an airbender you have to invent like a bending kata i don't know what they'd call it but like a you have to invent something and ang's are all he's a kid like so he invents this this ball that he sits on this ball of air that he sits on and like floats around on and he's He's just, I don't know, he's such a cool character. And to see that sort of maintained. Also, I wanted to mention, I know this is a little bit back a couple topics, but in this show, I think so many adults love it and so many of us nerds love it because it has that theme of found family and and created kinship that's common in a lot of sci-fi and fantasy shows where Aang is the last one of his people. And he has to deal with all of that pressure in addition to the whole, you are this reincarnated, you know, extremely powerful being that is supposed to protect the world. I mean, my God, this, no wonder he runs away and that this is how he gets frozen. And I don't, I don't blame him, you know? So it's like, he ends up though with the support of his new family, like his created family, friendship family, he ends up finding the strength and the wisdom to be able to solve that problem on his terms, like, like Susie described. Um, Zuko is interesting. Zuko and his honor, every time he's like my honor, I roll my eyes. Like, I mean, I know, but it's a very like teenaged boy sort of, I hate to be stereotypical, but it's kind of like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) just listen. Yeah. Drama Prince, like calm down. But he is he is very motivated. He's he's traumatized and he's trying to figure out his place in the world and he's had, you know, really bad socialization. Iroh is a little bit like Bobby Singer, but a very jolly version of goofy, funny version kind of, but still a badass. And uh Zuko's a little bit like emo dean or something maybe if you want to go that way and ozai's a little bit like bad fanfic um john a plus winchester like in the fanfic version where john's very abusive like not to (laughs) but like those there's some of those parallels there and i think that's why you know you see this kind of over and over and iroh you kind of learn later ends up he loses a son it's really really sad Um, He loses a son in the war and then he ends up kind of staying involved at all in the Fire Nation to protect Zuko, like to try to. And is he, Susie, do you remember if Iroh and Ozai are brothers or if it's. Yeah, they're they're, they're brothers. Like he, I think he is his uncle because like all the time, I think everyone around Mm -hmm. refers to him as like the lazy, the lazy brother. The less successful one of the two. But it's more just he's not awful and corrupted yeah. by power. But Ozai, okay, I couldn't remember if Iroh was mar- was biologically sibling of Zuko and Azula's mom. or And they never tell you what happens to the mom. Oh, that's actually explored in one of the comic series after the okay. fact. Of- oh, so okay. there's a comic too? Yeah. 
because also how many things of- are spun off of this? <laughs> no, I'm I'm just curious because I I mean I should have done more research on that, but how many things are spun off of this? Um, I know there's the the t- the sequel TV series which takes place with like the next Avatar after Aang, and I know there was a comic series about Zuko and the gang figuring out what happened to his mom. Okay, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, yeah and uh, okay. There may also okay. be some bits in there about Azula as well and her like a little bit of her rehabilitation which is like a little bit a little bit but it's not sure. <laughs> yeah and then there's also the um the what will become the new live action Netflix mm-hmm. series there's mm-hmm. also that and oh. I heard there's going to be another animated season but I don't know if that's true or a rumor but yeah so there's and Korra is about 40 years after the events of avatar so that's you'll probably need another episode for cora so ang ang is because the avatar is sort of like the buffy slayer mythology where it's only one okay. at a time and um yeah so somebody has okay. to die for the next avatar to happen right Susie? I yeah think. yeah okay. so what what happens is the avatar dies and then mm-hmm. the next avatar will have like the next set of like their main power almost will be the next kind of like in the line of succession. So Aang is a airbender primarily. That's what he has first uh, like kind of mastery of. Before him, the avatar before him was born in the Fire Nation and he had mastery over fire. And then the avatar after, yeah. After Aang <laughs> is Korra, who was born to, um, I forget which water tribe. I think it was South or North. Or South. I don't remember North. either. Well, yeah. She was born to one of the water tribes, and her main mm-hmm. domain is water. Like her main. But then they have to learn. Water, and then they have yeah. to learn all the others to be like a fully rounded, powered up avatar. So this is reminding me of the GIF with like the different, you know, the red from it's always sunny in Philadelphia where he's putting together the Charlie Day. Yes, when he's got the yes, yes, yes. Or like me when I'm trying to figure out my various conspiracy theories. So that's mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why that's, that just reminds- That's how I feel. Hey, I'm glad because I'm glad I, we gave you the Charlie Day from Philly gift <laughs> feeling because that's how I feel when y'all are talking about American horror story and I'm just like <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> Do not want. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I just, it, you're good. I'm feel when I'm talking about American horror stories. So it's just, <laughs> I'm, because it's not my, as you know, horror. Not yes. my jam. Yeah. If you really want to give someone that feeling, and this is kind of, this is going to sound kind of mean, but like, it, find someone who hasn't seen Once Upon a Time mm. and okay. explain, part of it. explain that to them. <laughs> And all yeah, the different then, then you explain, could explain that to me sometimes. <laughs> explain that to them and all the different relationships inside of it to them too. Cause it's like, okay, so she's her grandmother, but she's also his mother, but she's also dating his son. And then this and then she had their kid, and then the kid is their grandfather, almost grandkid, uncle. It's the whole like everybody's like the same soap. age except for Henry and he kind of sucks and it's yeah i don't know i think he, i don't know i'm sorry i only watched like three seasons but then i was like 
I'm very, very confused, but it's like this really weird PG Disney incestuous soap opera. That's what yeah. it, that's what it sounds. And even when you're describing Atla, is that what you said? I can call it right, Atla. Yeah. Even when you're describing that, it almost, I mean, it doesn't sound like a soap necessarily, but just like, you know, how many different connections there are or different worlds or different iterations or different spinoffs or different, not spinoffs, I guess, isn't the right word, but different things that have come off of it and offshoots of it and different worlds. And now, of course, with the live action thing, which we won't really get into because I know a lot of people are very upset about that, but all of that stuff. So sounds like it's just i mean that's why i was thinking that's why i was picturing that i'm like put that up there greatest spreadsheet <laughs> but all of those but it's it, it's but i think that's true of like any show you watch that's on for years and years is there's all these connections and if people don't watch it and then you're explaining it it does sound like that because you don't even realize how complex a world it is and i know this was only on for three seasons but still you don't realize how complex of a world it is until you start describing it to someone else, I think. I don't know if, if that makes sense. But I think a lot of shows are like that, so. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we kind of touched on representation a tad teeny, teeny, teeny bit. But I want to talk about that a little bit more and how the show handles representation, Susie. The show does a really good job of representing people from different walks of life and also different kind of socioeconomic levels of life as well and how they all kind of interact with each other and how again they all deal with different things differently and it's one of like one of I think that the show does amazingly is its representation of women like most notably Katara's character so notably for Katara she wants to learn how to water and she doesn't really know how especially the beginning of the series and so when she goes to the Northern Water Tribe. She wants to learn how to waterbend and waterbend well, but they tell her, like, you can't do this. You can't learn this. This is more of, like, a masculine trait. You can learn the more feminine trait, which is water healing. And she's like, but why? I can be just as good as, like, any of your students if you just give me a shot. And they're like, no, we don't allow women to learn this here. You can learn water healing. That's about it. Go do that. And she's like, oh, fine. And so she goes, but then she like proves herself and into this to the teach. To, okay, so her teacher. This is another like web moment. So, <laughs> so her teacher, the man who ends up being her waterbending teacher, he dated her grandma <laughs> and got real salty when her grandma left him for her grandpa. And so he kind of takes it out on her a little bit. <laughs> See, it's, it's like a soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. He's just a real salty old man. <laughs> but he does end up teaching her and she does become a really good waterbender to kind of when 
as they continue their journey, she's the one that teaches Aang waterbending and helps him get better at waterbending. She's kind of like his, she's his waterbending master, which is kind of what he, that's kind of like part of what, that's kind of like the main focus of their journey <laughs> is to find him different bending masters that will teach him how to bend, how to gain mastery of that specific area of bending so that he can then defeat the Fire Lord. <laughs> but she is one of the people that becomes his bending teachers. And another one who is also his bending teacher is Toph, who has who has a really great mastery of earth bending. Um, she is so for most earthbenders, most since okay, so Toph is blind. So her method of earthbending is a lot is a hundred percent unique than every other earthbender because since she is blind, what she does is that she mostly uses I think from what I understand, she uses the vibrations of the earth and the world around her to kind of get an idea of kind of like how how to best bend and that kind of goes into her her teachings with Aang. And uh, and she even she even invents a new form of bending, which is metal bending, which no one had ever done before. And she just comes straight out the gate with this, like immediately good at it. And you're just like, oh my god, you're a little bit OP, but let's. <laughs> like something the show does really well is that all the female characters are really are written really well, and really strong. I mean, to her, like even though Azula is a villain. Is one of our is one of the villains. To her credit, she is a very strong and very awful, <laughs> awful character. But she does like one of her main points is that she knows she's better than everyone, but she doesn't ever let. Like when when she walks in her room, she has complete power. That's kind of like her deal, <laughs> and she kind of surrounds herself with people that are very similar to her. Like one of her best friends is what one would consider like a very a very girly girl but again she's also very strong and very capable and that's part of why she's so good i think okay i think her name is ty lee is that is it am i right Tanya? yeah ty, ty, ty lee. <laughs> i don't i don't remember i know i was just trying to remember azula's like mean girl gang and they end yeah. up being cool and they end up being cool but like it's like May is the one who she she's Zuko's <laughs> girlfriend, and then there's another one, and then I think it's Tylee, and yeah, I don't remember the third okay. one. Okay, yeah, Tylee is the gymnast, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of her friends is this very like girly gymnast, and part of what kind of makes her her attack prowess work the way that it does is that since she comes across as like very girly and kind of unassuming people kind of let their guards down around her and then she comes out the gate like with the chi blocking situation like <laughs> and completely disarms her foes without like ever kind of landing a single punch because she's just kind of like she kind of like pokes you it's and, like xena like, yeah 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 it just like, yeah <laughs> i've just cut off the flow of blood to your brain <laughs> yeah anyway it's a very xena like yeah it's kind thing. of what she does because she like in a way she kind of like numbs you so she don't so you aren't able to use any powers against her and that's 
also like a part of really good representation of the people with powers and people who don't. Like she found a way to get around it. She uses chi blocking, which I don't know where she learned it. <laughs> or if she found it out for herself. Do we ever know where she learned it? Or I don't I feel like they, well her her family was like um gymnasts, right, in the circus or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They, <laughs> something like that. It's it's sort of a Robin from Batman kind of a vibe. Um, but yeah, the just to not to jump in, but just one thing what you were making okay. me think about is the non-benders can still be martial artists. Non-benders can still do, you know, have expertise at things. So in terms of like it, it, bending is just sort of a special ability. Like if you're a yeah. great, you know, it just like happens a, to be. In, it's kind of like you still that have to Mario mushroom. It's yep. That, it's that one up in Mario. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You still have to practice, though. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, everybody maybe has some little inherent, like, singers, like, some people are just born better at singing, but they still have to learn. They're still, you know, so I think that's kind of a good metaphor for kids. Like, Aang, even though he's kick-ass, he's got to, like, get up yeah. to speed. Anyway, yeah, didn't mean to he jump thinks, in. Oh, no, 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 but you're completely no, right. No. Like, he thinks, he thinks, oh, I'm kind of good at this. I'm just... Like, one of the things that he goes through with having Katara as his teacher is that he thinks, oh, I'm the Avatar, so I'm obviously going to be the best at this. <laughs> and it would be better than everyone. And then just Katara comes in and goes, excuse me, excuse mm -hmm. me, I'll, I'm the master here. You'll be learning from me, sir. Thank you. And in martial arts, from what I understand, like, the idea of kung fu or um martial arts are not only about fighting they're they're considered disciplinary practices so it's not that outside of the realm of philosophy that things like um arts that things like healing would be sort of the other end of that spectrum those things are not considered polar opposites in from what i understand of some Eastern philosophies about martial arts. Um, they're not, it, the way that we in the US, like a Eurocentric perspective might consider them to be opposite sides of behavior. It's more like, no, this is a discipline. And so similarly for Tai Lee, and that is her name, I looked it up. <laughs> like where it's, um, you know, the, that being an acrobat is a form of combat, but uh, I don't know whether I should jump in on representation or not. You can, yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, Is that, yeah, okay. Add, add into, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. I think the yeah, disability yeah. representation is really interesting. So Toph being blind, um, we talked about this yesterday at the panel here, that one thing that's challenging is often when disabled characters are portrayed, it's in media like this, they, they sort of have this superpower almost to overcome their disability or it's like they have to be, you know, just like Professor X is this amazing um, mutant, right? And so he, yes, he's a wheelchair user, but he, it's like he has to be portrayed that way. And Toph, I don't know, we talked about that because she's a little bit OP with her, with her earth bending and inventing um, metal bending. But I also think her representation as a female character is really, really cool because she, um, is treated she's from a wealthy family her family treats her like a like a porcelain doll because of her disability too they're very afraid of um 
thing or, or her impairment, I should say. They're afraid of things happening to her. And so she's not a, allowed to sort of have a full life. And that's like the totalizing or infantilizing effect of disability that people mm -hmm. experience, right? So it's, I think that's really important. And, and Toph is like, no, I need to be who I am. She's um, kick ass, right? At bending. She can take care of herself. And she's not this super feminine character and she's not um she's she's uh as far as we know she's attracted to men or boys but she's also kind of um tomboyish or sort of you know not traditionally feminine and i think that's great because they like as susie was saying all the female characters are are complicated like they show different portrayals of what it means to be a girl or a woman and what it means to be a man different kinds of masculinities, different kinds of femininities. I think that's really great. Um, the other one, there is a character who uses a wheelchair. Do you remember? I don't remember his name. Do you, Susie? Um, I think, okay. I think it's Tio. Okay. Yeah. But they're, they're in, it's part of the earth kingdom, right? And they're, they are living way up in the sky. Yeah. And so he, his dad is this amazing yeah, engineer. Yeah, he and his mm -hmm. dad are laying at one of the air temple, the abandoned air temples. Aang sees them mm -hmm. flying around, and he thinks that's why there's more airbenders, is because he sees them kind of moving through the sky, and he's like, "Oh, I got more, more people!" And then mm -hmm. it's, it's not be mm -hmm. so. That 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 is what it's. Uh, yeah, it's. I think I was looking it up. It does seem like that is who that is. Is who you were mentioning, right? You said Tio. Is that what you said? Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. That character and his his dad, though that technology, you see that carried forward in the show and then into Korra. Like the technology that was engineered to be inclusive, like of the um of his son being able to participate. And even uh we didn't even talk about the Kyoshi Warriors, right? And and Sokka putting on the makeup. <laughs> Well, I, I think what, what's important whenever you show anybody who has a disability or who is a wheelchair user or who, and anything like that is that too often, like you said, they're either going to be given like some magical like power. It's, it's the same thing when you see um, somebody with Down syndrome or something like that is that's like they're, they're given like, like they're either treated like a porcelain doll or treated like they're not actually a human being like not fleshed out, not given like, you know, a, a life outside of, you know, everything is about because they have the, because they're in a wheelchair, because they have any disability that they have, or because um, they're not quote unquote, like a, like the, what you would normally see on media, quote unquote, I'm not saying they're not normal. I'm just saying what you would normally see portrayed. Like they're not given, um, they're not fleshed out to be fully dimensional characters that have a life outside of that. They're like, just, that's the, that's the thing is, oh, you're blind. Oh, you're deaf. Oh, you're a wheelchair user. Oh, you have Down syndrome. And that's all you are. And so I think it's important for people to be fully realized that are in any, any community, everyone deserves to see themselves, like I say, a hundred billion times. And so I think that's the same thing is everyone deserves to see themselves as a fully fleshed out character and a fully fleshed out human being. And so it sounds like from what you're describing, they try to do that, at least on this show, which 
is still a stress is still something you don't see that often. And I know this was from over a decade ago. And so it is pretty incredible that they were at least trying to do that. So, I mean, I don't know if, if that made sense, but so it just seems like that that's a pretty good thing that they're trying to do at least. So, or we're trying to do, I don't know what the live action thing or all the other ones did, but at least for this show, it seems like they, Susie made a face. So I'm guessing that means not very good, but <laughs> no. the movie was no. In the Legend of Korra, they did like even Korra herself goes through a time where she is, where she is a user and she does kind of, there is like an arc of her storyline where she does learn that that's, that she's not less than because she is a wheelchair user. Yeah, she struggles yeah. with a lot of that's really interesting. Um, Cora's impairment because she struggles a lot of what's disabling for Cora is the internalized ableism, not even what's mm-hmm. what's physically going on with her, but she thinks she's not um it it's her own she's stigmatizing herself. Like, yeah, you get it. Yeah. Like it's her own problems with her physical status that are most disabling of her. Um, Aang also goes through um, injury that is physical, but also has a mental component. And he has like PTSD and he has anxiety and they show him part of why he's worried about confronting Ozai is he's got, you know, anxiety about it. And he has super stressful dreams that are actually very hilarious because it's a kid. Uh, but it's still anxiety dreams. And so they I think that they show kids like, look, this is what's going on for you. You know, this is a normal thing. Even the Avatar has a bad dream about Fire Lord Ozai making him do an algebra test. You know, <laughs> so it's like it's I I just think what a message to show kids that. And then Aang isn't sleeping. He refuses to sleep because he's oh. he doesn't want to have the bad dreams, you know. So it's just really interesting. And and um, Katara has to deal with a lot of anger and and depression, and they're they're still grieving the loss of her mother, uh, Shinsaka. So it's it's very layered for a kids show. It's it's you know really well done. I'm wondering, Susie, since you watched this, you were a teen when you first watched it, right? You weren't you weren't a kid, kid, but you were a teen. So it, you know, like it's tackling subjects that aren't often addressed in children's media. So did this make you view any subject differently or make you view yourself differently or anything like that through watching this when you were a teenager? Most definitely. It's like I said, it did present subjects that were previously like known to me or pretty hard to grasp in a way that I could more easily understand them. And it just, it, it, it shows me how people deal with different things differently. Different things affect us differently, how we approach different things differently. And it just gave me, I feel like it gave me a bit more it helped me gain a little bit more of an understanding of the world around me and a little bit more of an understanding about myself and how I, how I interacted with that world, especially with all like the philosophical side of things. 
like it it is very kind of what could some could consider to be like kind of heavy subject matter for like kid show to be kind of going into especially when it comes to terms like about depression anxiety and and rage and grief and different healing processes and coping processes but thing the good thing about that is is that you you're getting all these different viewpoints so you can see how how all these things are affected differently by things and i think it's just it really to me a lot like to understand a lot better after i had like watched watch the show well and the thing is is that even though people may think those emotions are too big for kids to look at or for even preteens and sometimes even teenagers to look at you when you're a kid you don't understand those emotions and you could be going through those emotions so i think it's important uh to discuss those emotions with kids and to not completely dumb down everything like was mentioned way earlier and not to talk down to kids all the time so i think you know even though it may seem like heavy subjects for kids to have to to for kids to watch or to deal with kids are already dealing with a lot of that stuff and especially i think even more so now in the world we live in right now it's got to be very scary to be a kid in the world today so i think you know there might be a lot more i don't know cuz i don't have kids but there might be a lot more anxiety or a lot more depression or stuff like that associated with a lot of the stuff that goes on in the world and there are different fears i think that kids might have nowadays and especially when you have technology playing such a big part in the world as well and social media and everything like that um i think even as a kid that could that could potentially affect you as well and could lead to the depression and and stuff like that so i think it's interesting that they do try and tackle that and and address that and anxiety and all that stuff and and not sleeping and and stuff because that's stuff that some kids do go through. It's not like it's not a thing that kids don't go through. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty good that they do that. So and I don't know Tanya if it helped you see your kids any it might sound like a weird question, but see your kids differently or talk to your kids or did it bring up any kind of discussions or anything with your kids? Definitely. Yeah, they were very um you know, it they they I guess having lived with them their whole life and that I've I've always tried to talk to them in a way that's age appropriate but not I- insulting in terms of what they could understand like of mm-hmm. course we're not going to bring things up when they're you know when it's too much for them but trying to help them process their feelings and and for us to have a way to talk about oh okay this is what Ang was going through and then I've got you know my education and and my perspective as an adult but then we can talk about that they're very much right there like they mm-hmm. get it they can identify with that and just to kind of come back to your comment Aaron about mental health crises as a nation we're going through this of course more the um calls for crisis centers the mm-hmm. um number of people looking for for help and support is way up in Colorado it's specifically up for teens so it, it really is significant. Uh, Colorado has a, a higher than average, unfortunately, rate of mental health challenges and, and um, suicide attempts 
um, frankly, for, for people in that demographic. And mm-hmm. so that, as you can imagine, the pandemic has only exacerbated that for, for kids. So it really is, I mean, think about what they're going through as a kid. I didn't have to think about school shootings. I didn't have to think about, you know, bringing a disease home to my yeah. family that might, you know, it just, or not, not on that level. You know, I was more worried about if I had my period and bled through my white jeans or something, you know, something stupid like that. Not stupid, but no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. The levels of it. Uh, yeah. Not that you didn't have that. So it's, um, I think it's a really good way to help kids process those emotions or adults. Like I was actually going through a really, really difficult time when I watched this show I was having, I I've been pretty open about this. I'm a person who struggles with anxiety and depression and obsessive compulsive disorder and other autoimmune system disorders. And often media and some of my beloved products have helped me deal with that. Even as a 40 something year old mm-hmm. humanoid, you know, and it's just to, to watch Aang and Katara and even Sokka and, and people kind of go through this as characters. You're like, Oh, I, um, that's what's going on with me, you know, and I'm like, I'm an adult, but you still, it helps you to recognize things because we can't, sometimes we can't see what's closest to us, but if we see it somewhere else, we can go, oh, light bulb, that's Mm -hmm. what's up. No, I think, I think media is a very, very powerful tool when it comes to that. And that's why, you know, it's very important that depictions and stuff like that are, are, accurate or as accurate as possible um, or, or respectful. And that's why, I mean, you know, I'm in my forties too and media helps me or can trigger me or can help me confront things or look at things. I mean, you know, I spoke about it not too long ago, most recently with that movie, a mouthful of air, that was like a mirror being like just held right up in my face. And you know, it was like one of those where it was like, okay, you should look at this. And I wasn't expecting that. And so I think that's what can happen in in good media and the way, you know, I think art, while it's meant to be fun and entertain you, I think really good art can also teach you something or have you see yourself in a different way or see yourself in a character or watch yourself, you know, you know, identify with a character and then watch them go through a struggle and maybe overcome it, or that might help you or might inspire you or, or something like that. I think, and I, there's no shame in that. I don't think that's the one thing I always like to stress on here. And I think that's a big reason I I started this podcast is I think people kind of laugh at the word fandom or laugh at the word fans or laugh at the fact that people get so obsessed for lack of a better word or so involved with the media they consume but the thing is is it's important and it does things and it can address things it can help you it can inspire you it can lift you lift your spirits it can you know stuff like that so it's a powerful powerful tool and i don't like the fact that people kind of look down on it and shame it in a way and look at it like it's just kind of like a silly, goofy little thing, especially the older you get. I think you get that more. You get that backlash more the older you get. So that's why I think it's so interesting with with a show like this. Like I said, with so many adults gravitating towards it, I think that's awesome because I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. I don't know. But all I was thinking, Aaron, <laughs> but your comments about connecting with media, I realized like, 
we maybe as adults, we connect with this because we don't see this kind of representation, even in things geared toward adults where you see characters. Yes, we see them going through things, but it tends to be a depressing ending or it tends to be a Bojack situation where you're like, I don't want to be any of these characters. There's, they're all kind of really, but to see that and to see people go through this and still find companionship and and find that you're not alone and and be able to become better versions of themselves we don't we don't always get that in a even media geared toward adults so that might be why people like me are finding it wonderful you know no that's that's a that's a good point and as someone who's like not in that I, that's a good point because as we talked about in our mental health episode and portrayals of mental illness and in, in media, 99.9% of the time when it comes to that media gets it wrong. And I think it is because, you know, they want to focus either on glamorizing, sadly, the darkness of it, or they make it too easy peasy kind of thing, or they don't, you know, it's, it's too extreme. So I think that's a really interesting and, and good point. So I like that. I like that a lot. So yeah. Well, we're going to save humor for last because I think it'd be best to wrap up on a humor note. So I want to talk about uh, propaganda and imperialism, which I know you brought that up when we were <laughs> brainstorming stuff for the outline or when you all were... It was it was incredible. Seriously, I should take screenshots of that because I was like, okay, maybe people will just give me a couple things. And then it was just like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was amazing. So, Susie, how do you think the show deals with that, with the propaganda and imperialism, especially when it's a kids' show? You know, that's a heavy, heavy thing. <laughs> Something that again that I think is really interesting in the last the world of the last airbender is yes they do talk about the propaganda from the fire but something that is also interesting is that there's like a stretch of time when they're in what could be considered kind of like the new york city of the earth kingdom <laughs> and you also see like the propaganda that's going on in that city as well and how it affects everyone from all the different social classes because it is it's just oh God, it is so eerie when when the gang gets to this city because so all they've heard throughout the whole time is that bossing say is an impenetrable impenetrable city it the fire nation hasn't been able to crack it no one can get in and they think, oh, this is probably going to be some really idealistic, beautiful place. And they go and visit it. They get there and they're like, oh, hey, we're the Avatar and friends. And they meet this woman. And she's just like, hi, welcome to Ba Sing Se. Nothing is going on outside the walls of Ba Sing Se. Everything is okay. And you're just <laughs> you're immediately like... Like that's super creepy. <laughs> you're immediately uncomfortable in the presence of this woman and everyone else because you're just like, oh, this is a, mm, <laughs> no thank. And they 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 ask about the war going on, and they tell them there's no war outside of Bossing Say, and it's just and it's just like what is going on, and 
I'm, I'll admit, as a viewer, even I started to feel a little bit brainwashed by this weird propaganda because I was like, okay, how long have we been in this town? And also, is there really even a, an outer conflict? That's, is there even a war outside of Bossy What are they doing? No! And then they find out like the whole seedy underbelly of the city, how like so base so Bossing Zay has the king and he's basically just like a figurehead and everything is run by like lower level like politicians basically and they control the flow of information in the Bossing Say. They control what the people get to know of the world outside of Bossing Say and they get to control that propaganda and how they deal with like dissenting opinions and you're just like, oh my God, like even in places that and it it goes to show like even in places that seem really like idyllic and just oh just nothing's wrong here always look beyond the surface because something could be real funky yeah it's like a really well done freaky version of stepford wives meets um yeah. meets clockwork orange but for children wow yeah. <laughs> clockwork orange for children Nickelodeon. <laughs> the same channel that brought you spongebob yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After you watch this, you're going to want to also consume what SpongeBob viewers consume and then watch SpongeBob, but that might make you more paranoid. So, um no, I'm just like, yeah, the, I'm so glad you brought that up, Susie. And like there's a character who is sort of this rebel kind of rot. Do you remember Jet? Yes, Jet. RIP okay. Jet pours one out, right? <laughs> and he dies. Like he he yeah, he he does though. He and he's got like a um he has like a, a group too and he's sort of a robin hood kind of character and they're just like orphans and they hang out in the trees and they're they're sort of portrayed in a light way and then he gets caught by the by the thought police i don't know what to call them the propaganda people and he yeah. gets brainwashed into yeah, I'd, say, I'd say thought police because yeah. basically what goes into their brainwashing stick is they put you in the middle of a room with a lantern on a track and they just spin this lantern around and around while someone reads from a thing that says, there is no war outside of Bossing Say. There is no conflict outside of Bossing Say. You are safe in Bossing Say. <laughs> That's like super creepy. <laughs> it is so unnerving. And you're just like, I think I need like a shower and maybe a blanket and some cookies because I don't. I'm not doing okay with this. It's very dystopian too. It's kind of yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Definitely. that's very because oh, also like part of the art, part of like what's going on in this town is that Aang is looking for his water buffalo, which is like the size of three houses, <laughs> and he can't find it, and he keeps putting up lost posters, and then they're just gone because. Again, he's brainwashed into like, there's nothing going on here. And the king, meanwhile, is just playing with what is basically a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, and I don't wow. I don't remember <laughs> what their what they're like the woman's name. Um that I think that they you, just gave them all the same name. They did like, all have the same no, I, I can't remember like, the name. Like I don't um, know what the name was. <laughs> but at some point it's very much like um they're they're trying to control what avatar and team have access to so they're not allowed to go certain places they really want them to stay 
and only see, you know, the presentation of their city and their kingdom that they want to control, right? So it's it's censorship. And then at some point the woman messes up, like the the guide woman, and she's replaced. <laughs> she's like recast. Yeah. Um, not recast, but like replaced by another character performing the same role. And the team's like, what happened to what's her face? Yeah. Um, and they're like, in the the new version of what's her face is like I don't know what you mean. I'm what's her face. I've always been what's her face. Yes. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is a kind of like, bewitch you. You know how like in bewitch they replace Darren? Oh, yes. Yes. Not yeah. to notice? That's what they do with her. And you're just like, wait a second. <laughs> but it's so a this- plot point. But it's more of a plot point. They're like, because that's when the <laughs> Avatar people are like, um, this is not something's going on. Something's inky here, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then there's wow. just like a room full of these women that you're then shown, and they're just all standing there like <sighs> again for kids. Stepford wives, <laughs> like you said, Tanya. That's what it sounds like. Stepford wives. Yeah. Which I've yeah. never seen, but I have had well, enough cultural references to understand. You haven't seen any of the versions of Stepford. No. Wives. Well, yes, like, you have. Mm-hmm. You've seen Avatar: The Last Airbender. Right, but I haven't seen like the the <laughs> yeah. no because I was I I maybe I maybe back in the day, but I think I was I get really freaked out as you know. So I was like Stephen King. I read a Stephen King book. I didn't sleep for like three days, and my mom was like, "Yeah, no more of that for you. That's enough." <laughs> wow! Wow! Well, that's I mean. It's pretty incredible to me just listening to this and hearing all of this for like a kid's show. I mean, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of dark stuff because I started watching horror when I was really young. But this, I mean, I'm not saying this show is dark, dark, because it doesn't seem like it is because I don't think Tanya would be watching it. <laughs> Susie well, thanks. Dark no, stuff. I do. No, love, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I do love Deadwood, which is so funny. People are like, how can you be like Avatar and and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, my favorite show is Deadwood. (laughs) Anyway, but. Which will happen. I am a complicated human. Yes. Yes. We are all complicated. I I, will have to do an episode on Deadwood at some point. It's on my. (laughs) It's on my hundred page list of shows. Well. What I want to wrap up with, because I wanted to end on a happy note, unless you were you about to add, did you need to add? Oh, sorry. I remembered no. her name. It was Judy. Oh, it was Judy. All these women are named Judy, but it's like spelled Judy. out like J O O D E E, I think. Oh, so like, yeah. Well, well, then too bad Judy wasn't on here. Right. <laughs> we could have done that whole bit. We could have been like, Wait, where's Judy? And we could have pretended like we didn't recognize her and Tanya could have done random freaky comedy, but oh well, whatever. Missed she had stuff to do or other things happening in the world. And it's like, I don't know what your problem is, Judy, but <laughs> quote, okay. quote. Yeah, that was funny. But I want to wrap up with humor just because I want to wrap up with something lighter because this has been heavy on and off. So this is a kid's show and there is humor in it, which I could tell. I mean, like the My Cabbages, isn't that like, that's an ongoing joke, right? That's yeah. what I gathered from it's, the stuff I've watched. 
it's basically like a cabbage vendor that the gang comes across repeatedly. I think especially more in season two. And this poor man, he's just trying to make a living to sell his cabbages. <laughs> and they keep getting destroyed. They keep getting destroyed. And what's funny is that they continue this joke in Legend of Korra too. But instead, this oh, man really? has, like, built a business conglomerate, and he gets imprisoned for, like, um, embezzling or something. And he goes, my cabbage enterprise. <laughs> 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 but it's, like, the humor in this show is also, like, top-notch. It's just one of my favorite, like, humorous sequences is cactus juice. It'll quench you. It's the quenchiest. <laughs> quench <laughs> like one of them just like like so could just so could just like drinks juice out of a cactus and apparently it's equivalent to shrooms because he just hallucinates like oh it's a kid's show. <laughs> it's a kid's show. <laughs> yeah, again. We mentioned clockwork it's, orange. It's, and... it's a kid's show, but from an adult perspective, you're like, did this guy take shrooms or something? Because he just he's just is seeing the world above and beyond his plane of existence. And he's just like, cactus juice. <laughs> Well, maybe cactus juice does that. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, dang, what kind of cactus juice is this? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like no, peyote. Yeah. Um, but anyway, not it that could I have been. That, that might have like... been. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, the the comedy is just amazing. There's of course just funny jokes. Sokka is comedic relief a lot. And he's very funny. There's slapsticky stuff. But I love the, as I said, the anxiety dream. Aang has anxiety dreams about fighting Fire Lord Ozai. And he repeatedly has this dream where, you know, he has to take an algebra test. Or he shows up and he's, and then he's like, I'm ready to fight you, Fire Lord Ozai. And Fire Lord Ozai says, no, you're not wearing any pants. You know, like that common dream that yeah. you have as a kid. And finally, Aang gets some sleep, and in his dream, he's able to have efficacy, and he's ready to fight Fire Lord Ozai, and Fire Lord Ozai pulls that line on him, you're not wearing any pants, and Aang goes, no, Fire Lord Ozai, you're not wearing any pants, and I say that all the time, I don't know why it cracks me up. <laughs> No, well, you're it, not wearing any it's pants. It's hilarious, he Uno reversed him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yes. ah! Yep, exactly. And then, you know, reverse sleep and like, yep, reverse, reverse. You're not wearing any pants. And it just, it's so funny. I don't know. It's great. I'm trying to remember other stuff, but there's a lot of great. Oh, um, Sokka's girlfriend is the moon. And uh, at some point he's talking to Zuko about it. And he's like, my girlfriend turned into the moon. And goes, that's rough, buddy. Cool. It's one of also like the funny like I really like it when they when there are comedic moments in the show that allow Ink to just be a kid. Like he get he, when he gets to like the island where all the Kyoshi warriors are, he's like, "Yeah, I'm the Avatar. Look at this!" Ding! And he just brings out like six marbles and he's spinning in the in the air like in between his hands and he's like, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> and all the like everyone on this island just loses their 
gosh darn mind over this trick. <laughs> There's one dude who just starts screaming and crying and foaming at the mouth <laughs> over this little dumb <laughs> marble trick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Tanya said to say goodbye to her. Um, okay. Tanya's computer had cactus juice, everyone. That's what happened. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll go ahead and close out then. That was perfect, though, that it happened towards the end. I'm glad it didn't happen at the beginning because that would have sucked. So, Susie, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. All you lovely humans and peeps and pipples can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at SusieQS underscore SC, I think is the is the deal hold on i'm like double checking because my brain is it is it's a little underscore bit sc because yeah. i'm looking <laughs> yeah. right now because i want to make yeah. sure i get tanya's correct so yes yeah underscore sc for twitter and then there's an additional underscore for instagram and then for tiktok just find me through the it's a fandom thing one on there <laughs> i don't i think it's zany sc it's something I think, like that. yeah i think it's that um and if and my dog's Instagram is also at Benny underscore Pelucita. And listen, if you ever need something to cheer up, just go watch that silly little fluffball because he is the cutest, darn cutest little poof. We should we should do an episode. It will not would not be interesting at all. Probably I'm like we should do an episode with all the dogs. Oh my god! Can can I put like him in my place and just like yeah, like he's doing the podcast himself? And I'll put Fergie here, and it will not go well at all. This week. It'll be like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then Sasha can have and Dewey come on and <laughs> yeah, <we're just> gonna... <laughs> that would not be an interesting. Angela could have her cats on. Yes, yes, yeah. her cats have been on too. They've made yeah. appearances. <laughs> on the have dominate like completely by themselves. Yes, yes. And the, and all the dogs will be looking and being like barking at each other and, you know. Like, <laughs> and then we just add little subtitles along the bottom like, you're muted! Press the unmute button! See, we, we have fun on these. So Tanya can be found on Twitter at, it, it, it's always keep nerd fighting, but the handle is at A-K-N, those are all capitalized, E-R-D, fighting, the F is capitalized. So it's A-K, nerd fighting, is where you can find her. I'm sorry, I'm messing this up. You can also find, you can look for on our Twitter. I'm always following these people. So, and the A and the K and the N and the F are capitalized in A-K, nerd fighting. Love you, Tanya. Okay, well, and this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E-April-Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback show notes, if you'd like to be a potential guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And just a couple of things next week. We have a very interesting mix we're doing next week. <laughs> We are first doing Dexter, so we are going to be talking about the first five episodes. If you know anything about us lately, that's been our show that we've been live tweeting on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Then we do a live stream at 8.15 Mountain Standard Time. 
So we are doing those still, but we wanted to do an in-depth special podcast episode talking about the first five episodes. So we'll just be covering half of the season. It's going to be Carla, Jen from My Streaming Bubble, and then uh, Megan is going to be on that one. And Megan is the only one who hasn't been doing our uh, live tweets or live streams. So that'll be interesting. And then we're going to be covering Regency era books and movies. So two polar opposite things. That'll be fun. And Susie's on that one. Meg's on that one. And Rebecca, who hasn't been on an episode in quite a while. So I'm glad to have her back. So, and I know they're all excited. This is another thing that I've mentioned before. This is one of not my favorite genres, but I know it's a lot of our listeners. So I, want to strive to cover things that may not even be in my wheelhouse because then I learn things, maybe grow to appreciate things a little bit more. But it should be a fun, I think, kind of loose conversation. We'll just be talking about what everybody's favorites are. And pretty soon we are going to do a live stream that'll just be a live stream of kind of like an end of the year wrap up. It won't be our best of because we do have an episode that we're going to be doing But it'll be like our favorites, I mean, from the past year. But it'll be kind of like a best of the podcast. Just a fun little thing. Best of live streams, clips, stuff like that. Um, So anyway, so keep a lookout for those two episodes next week. And once again, join us for our live tweets and live streams of Dexter every Thursday starting at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for the rest of the show. And if there's any show or movie that you want us to do live tweets of and then our live reactions afterwards, please let me know. But please feel free to send us feedback of ones you want. I'll have polls soon on Twitter of what we should live tweet next because I'm not sure what we're going to do next. And I enjoy doing those, so I want to keep them going. So, you know, if you have any feedback, anything you'd like us to do, even if it's something that, you know, we don't necessarily like, even hate tweeting and hate (laughs) live streaming is fun. So (laughs) feel free to do that. Coming in January, Christian. Effing Bale month is coming. <laughs> I am so flipping excited. I can't even... I'm so glad he became our unofficial mascot, which was a total fluke accident that all came about during an episode that had nothing to do with him. So I, it's amazing to me that he is our mascot, our unofficial mascot. So I'm glad that we're celebrating because I think he's a great actor too. So I think it'll be fun. We're going to talk about a bunch of his movies. And so keep an ear out for that. Carla's going to be on all of these, by the way, because Carla has to, I mean, Car- <laughs> I mean, Carla, you know, she does that spot on Christian effing Bale impersonation. <laughs> so she has to be on them. So, <laughs> so we've got a lot of good stuff coming your way, man. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.